When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pretty, that's not so bad. 116 to 110. The Raptors lose to the Chicago Bulls with DeMar DeRozan, Kobe White, Zach Levine, and Nikola Vucevic in tow. And a game where the Raptors really felt the lack of size in their front court, the lack of punch at the point of attack. And they certainly felt the stardom of Scotty Barnes. Um, impressive game from a few different Raptors. Mostly, we're going to focus on Bruce Brown and Scotty Barnes as the guys who really motivated a lot of success, especially late in that game. I think it was incredible to see Scotty mine advantages in a bunch of like screen and roll stuff. To see Bruce Brown, who's always been such an intuitive cutter, more on that later via, you know, Darko and Bruce talking to both of them about it. And to see a team that is working on the fly to try and fit people in, the fact that one of those guys who's introduced. Bruce got a run in and was so effective. I think uh, speaks well to his pedigree as a player. And there's already stuff floating around about Bruce Brown, maybe not staying in Toronto, you know, past the deadline. Who knows what happens? He's a championship level player, has been in a championship rotation. I suspect the Raptors might be able to get something for him. Maybe they decide that they want to keep him around. Comes into the post game stuff, you know. Gets asked about Scotty, says Scotty's a dog. Scotty's a dog. He's a top tier superstar in this game. Says he paid 10K for Jonte Porter's number 11. Easiest money Jonte's probably ever made. And uh, all, all in all, like a really great introduction for him. He was awesome. Scotty was even better. Um, the six turnovers, as Chris Max says in chat, Scotty had a great game, but a couple costly turnovers in the last few minutes of this game. Yeah. I don't. The same way people always gave me, you know, crap about, you know, not not being hard enough on players over the course of however many years me doing this coverage. I have a tough time asking players to be kind of like perfect. And if Scotty didn't have the six turnovers, he would have been perfect. And I'd just be singing his praises. Maybe and maybe if he was perfect, they could have won this game. Certainly uh, dribbled the ball off his foot, made a couple passing errors in the backcourt, in the front court over the course of this game. And wasn't able to take the Raptors over that hump. But mostly, I think that the Raptors were able to create offense late in the game. It was their defense that wasn't able to hold up over the course of the whole game. And 116, you know, they had some good stretches defensively. They went small so that they had better contain across the whole court. Talk to Darko about this, you know. You know, you try hedge, you try drop, you try switching. You know, if you're trying drop, you're hoping for contain at the point of attack. You're not getting contained at the point of attack. Okay, you try and hedge, you move the ball on. The Bulls, who have played kind of with a new lease on life since, you know, changing the hierarchy of the offense. Obviously, Kobe White, I think, was awesome in this game. Um, you know, 23, 
eight and four, you know, 52%, almost 53% from the field. He didn't even hit his threes in this one. Um, they ping the ball around. They attack the gaps. They make sure that the Raptors have to compete really hard to keep up with them on the back end rotation. And they did such a good job of like punching a gap, drawing the defense, making the read, punching the gap, drawing the defense, making the read. And I like, I was impressed, man. I really, I really was impressed defensively. They did a lot of good things. It's just the bulls were better. They made great decisions and late game, you know, Vooch being able to like produce a lot of pressure in the paint, both as like, he did a great job playmaking in this game. And as well, I think like 12 to 20 from the field, his presence on the glass with five offensive rebounds, super impressive, just like as a jump shot release valve. It hasn't been his best year as a jump shooter, but he's able to provide that in this game. You know, Solstice 99 asks, do we win this game if Yaka plays? I think probably, yeah. I think there's a distinct possibility. Um, I did enjoy some of the wrinkles we got without Jakob there, which was Scotty, you know, late in game, dribbling up the court, picking out his pick and roll partners and saying like, hey, come set the screen. Let's see what we can do. The most successful of all being Bruce Brown. Uh, other things that could have had the Raptors win this game is like if Emmanuel quickly plays the way that he's mostly been playing. This was his worst game as a Raptor for sure. Uh, he struggled to get downhill. There were like a couple decisions that he made that you're like, not only ending up in turnovers, but also he's missing the most advantageous pass. The shot wasn't going tonight. Wasn't his night. RJ Barrett, I think he started out like maybe six of 11. If I'm, and I think he missed his last five shots. He also had six assists though, which ties his season high. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on here. Then of course, above all that, 31 points, three steals, three blocks, six assists, seven rebounds. 11 of 18 from the field, 7 of 9 from the free throw line. Scotty was immense. And this comes after, God, it's been a long couple of days. Pascal gets traded. You know, I talked about it on the last, uh, you know, episode. Just setting the alarm every 30 minutes because I didn't want to miss the Pascal trade. Hardly getting a wink of sleep. Pascal gets traded. Coverage all day. Okay, go to the game. Do the game. Do this with you guys late at night. Wake up early in the morning. Do a film session with Caitlin Cooper. Go from that to Masai. 1 p.m. He talks for an hour. I thought it was great. Um, I thought he like laid himself bare before everybody. Was very honest and forthcoming. Then you do a game. And if that seemed like a lot for me, imagine for these players what they've been going through. So for Scotty to take those comments from, you know, after after a certain amount of time, he said, like, I'm the guy. And he started saying I'm the guy. But Masai today, who doesn't speak publicly all that often, said he needs to be able to have room to grow to be the guy. That's what we're going to try and do. And voiced his like full-throated support for Scotty and Darko did the same, you know, and like a week ago when he was screaming about him being the uh, I shouldn't say screaming, yelling or exclaiming about Scotty being the face of the NBA, the future, all that kind of stuff. Um Scotty with a massive performance tonight and did so as like the low man defensively impressed Im like impressed me a ton on that end and did so as a point of a point of attack. You're the guy, you're the engine of the offense, picking guys out, running screen and roll, finding what works. Did it as a spot up shooter. You know, it's not his best night from three, two for six, but hit a couple. Um, on top of that, did it as a roller. Did it as an isolation scorer. 
he did a fantastic job in this game. You know, Mike Mike says Scotty's averaging 25.5 points per game without Siakam. I think that's like a three-game sample size. Um, I'm super impressed with this game. Um, Nesta says, is Scotty the most talented one and five on the team? I think Emmanuel quickly is a better point guard than Scotty. But I God, like I was one, I was talking about that. I was like, I haven't heard the term point Scotty in a little while because does he care? D- does he care? You know, um, he wants to win. He plays with Emmanuel quickly, who is a point guard. And Emmanuel quickly is good. You know, everybody's been lauding everybody about their fit. So like, I don't know. We don't have to worry about him being like one or five or whatever the hell. He's mostly playing like a forward, like a really good forward, a point forward, uh, like a scoring forward, a point forward, a forward who, you know, gives you like immense pop as a backside rim protector, as the low man. He's doing all those things. I don't care if he's a one or a five or whatever the hell. He's out there. He's hooping, you know, and I, I he was awesome tonight. There's some mistakes, six turnovers. He's been turning the ball over a lot lately. I, okay, that's fine. I did this thing on his rookie season when I was looking at every possession and I, you know, I looked at his turnovers and I was trying to suss out like, which are high, high, high reward turnovers, you know, because I think that's important. Guys who don't turn the ball over much, it's a lot of them are risk averse. And if you want to be one of the best passers in the world, you can't be risk averse. You have to kind of go for it. You know, Nikola Jokic doesn't do like behind the back, no look stuff. Those are risky passes. He's fitting the ball through a pinhole and Scotty tries to do the same things. So there are spaces in time where we might see, you know, uh, we might see Scotty kind of hemorrhage turnovers, trying things. But if he's not trying things, what are we doing here? They gave it a run with Pascal this year to some degree, right? They also tried to trade him this summer, but they gave it a run and it wasn't, um, you know, it, it wasn't successful. With OG, it wasn't successful. The team underperformed. So, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of what it is. Solstice99 says, was it the Bulls offense or the Raptors defense? I think I gave a pretty thorough breakdown of what each team tried to do, even down to like the schematics at the start of the podcast. So hopefully that suffices. And you probably won't get that on another reaction podcast, but um, it's both always, you know, like defense and offense there. It's, there's a synergy there, you know, um, it's uh, what's the, what is it? It's like venom and Spider-Man. It's, it's uh, I can't think of the word, honestly. Anyway, it's uh, something like that. And Ian says regarding Pascal or sorry, not Pascal, Scotty, it could also be, just not being fully comfortable with all of these new teammates. It's, um, yeah, it could be that too. Like, certainly. Like, of course, there's there's some stuff. He's just missing passes. Like, sometimes the pass just isn't there. Um, Johnny G says, Scotty needs help. Center depth is lacking. Everyone needs help, man. Um, and the center depth is lacking in some sense. I don't blame the Raptors for that. OG3 says, symbiotic. You are my guy, OG3. Thank you for that symbiotic offense and defense the nba we separate it into two halves but it's one full floor that's constantly there's an interchange between the two things constantly um but the the raptors i think the front office put themselves in a position to be very deep at center like being able to play small with like coming into the season with pascal og scotty 
you know, Scotty can sl- slide into the center stuff pretty easily for a, a short amount of time. Jakob Pertl's just injured. That's the tough part about it. And Jakob is a quality center. Christian Coloco was a quality backup center and could have grown into that. I think it's, you know, it's been uh, just tough luck. Like, as was reported today, Shams. I'm not going to repeat it, actually, because I think it is his private. Um, it's Coloco's private stuff. I'm, I was disappointed that got reported today. But um, Coloco is not there, obviously, due to um, his medical status. And then also on top of that, like Jakob. So the center help was there. The team was built to provide that center help. It's just right now it's tough. Right now it's tough. Mike Mike says we look way better without Pascal so far. Yeah, I mean, they've played two, like, they played really well against the Heat. Like, they shellacked the Heat. That was an awesome game. Talked about it last night. Really enjoyed watching that. Really enjoyed talking to the guys afterwards and thought Darko, that's the play we're going to um, break down today. You can do the X's and O's of. Um, Darko, What in what was a really tough day, I thought was, like, moving. I was moved by his openness from an emotionality standpoint. And then... Um, on top of that, like this game, I thought that they played well. The Bulls aren't world beaters at all, but they played well with a limited front court. But, you know, even in the the presser today, Masai is talking about like being patient. He's not talking like he expects this team to win a bunch of games. And, and neither is Darko, quite frankly. So, you know, a lot of people thought that maybe the Raptors really turned a corner after they went three and one right after the OG trade. And then... Obviously, it, it didn't end up going very well. And if some of those really close losses that happened with Pascal against high-quality teams, some of those are because Jakob wasn't there either, you know? And even the loss to the Clippers was without Pascal. So um, we need to see more. But I can say I love the way the guys are playing. Looking better without Pascal, I mean, they looked pretty good with Pascal for stretches. He was shooting like... His, his true shooting percentage was like 73% from the, like 73%. He was shooting like 62 or 63% from the field. So I like, I don't know. It's too early to say. Masai and Darko didn't seem to be predicting a team that's about to take off, but teams can take off. There's latent talent. Maybe Scotty has more to give than I thought, than many people thought. Masai today at his presser talked about like, I didn't expect Scotty's leap to be so big. He said he wished he had seen it coming. So, you know, it's it's tough to project this stuff. Um, we'll see. But I think a tough game for RJ. I thought that the Bulls, like, under Billy Donovan, they've played, like, really tough defense. They've been, they've been, re- they've done a really good job, similar to New York and Tibbs, of, like, kind of, putting their nose in the dirt, being grimy and getting after it. And they play like really fundamentally sound defense, even with some limited defenders on the roster. And so I was really, really impressed with them once again, as they've turned the corner and RJ, you know, a team like the bulls that is kind of like bend, don't break. RJ really thrives against teams that break because he gets through that last line. He can finish at the rim. Of course, it doesn't help that he was one of six from three. It doesn't help that, you know, Emmanuel quickly was two for seven. I saw someone earlier in chat say he only took 10 shots. But, you know, the the Bulls, as I was saying, like, if you're able to stop an R.J. Barrett drive, you're also able to stop an Emmanuel quickly drive. 
they made the Raptors into jump shooters in this game. You know, the Raptors, they took a healthy amount of threes, 38. They shot 26%. And the Raptors, they relied on Scotty and Bruce Brown to kind of finagle their way into the middle of the floor. Bruce with like more finesse and a bit of power finishing and Scotty with just power and then power again and then power again. So impressive getting to his spots, getting all the way to the bucket. Some of those like that delayed step, like that big, it's something like scouts talk about or like trainers talk about. It's like the explosiveness off the back leg. I know nobody can see my legs right now, but Scotty had that one on the left wing, right? He sees the hedge. He sees the hedge against the pick and roll coverage. He sees like, okay, they're about to swing it back. Now is my time to go. It took him like no time at all to get from like sideline to rim. And he finished with so much power. He didn't dunk it, but I feel like he could have. Nice finish off the glass. Um, That back leg explosiveness, really nice. And the Raptors were really reliant on them. And then like the jump shooters, Gary goes 0 for 4 from 3 tonight. RJ 1 for 6. I'm reading off the same stats. Bruce Brown 1 for 3. Dennis one for four, Chris Boucher one for three. Like they had to really rely on Scotty in this game. And then Bruce to like a, a lesser degree. And some of the stuff that's been working over the past however many games, um, the easy stuff with RJ wasn't as easy tonight. The easy stuff for Dennis and quickly getting downhill wasn't so easy tonight. Nesta says the athletic bullfrog build. Yeah, that is... um from the first p the first big piece i wrote on scotty barnes where i looked at all of his possessions halfway through his rookie season and i was describing how he attacks in isolation as like the most muscular frog you've ever seen because he clears space all the time he's so big in his shoulders he he carries a lot of weight and he's so strong but he's so bouncing he's constantly changing the point of um the point of uh contact for a defender because if a guy is stronger than you as a defender you want to create one point of contact and you want to leverage your body against that strength. That's how small guys guard big big guys. A lot of them put their knee under a big guy's butt and just leverage themselves against the floor, the court. And if you can create a lot of movement, you constantly change that point of contact so smaller players or weaker players can't load up on you. Scotty, who is like has insane touch, is comfortable getting his shot off, turning over either shoulder, getting to the basket, all that kind of stuff, it's he changes points of contact. So he just muscles guys way under the basket. And that's the, that's what I was seeing when I saw like the muscular, the most muscular frog you've ever seen, which a lot of people had fun with when it was first written years ago at this point. Um, he's really impressive. No good that he dribbled the ball off his foot. He made a ton of winning plays down the stretch. Certainly um, a couple, a couple tough sloppy ones. This team is not, whether they win tonight or the next night, the process is what this team will be defined by because the process is what leads to hopefully Scotty being a championship defining player. That is the hardest player to get. That is the player you have to figure out if you have. And the Bulls in this game, I thought, were completely overmatched to try and defend him. And yes, he had some turnovers against some of their reads because they're super principled defense. They created early pickups sometimes. They made good rotations you know, whether they're getting a back cut on the strong side or the weak side, and Scotty had to end up trying to lead players a little bit more because, you know, you have to lead a guy more if he's not completely clear. If he's completely clear of his defender, hit him in the hands, like, immediately. But if he has to, like, there's a guy on his hip, you got to make him 
beat that guy into space. You can't get complacent. So I think that's the reason for some of the turnovers. The backcourt one where he just threw it away, obviously stuff like that. That's not going to happen very often, and that's tough in this game, but them's the breaks. Um, we have from Cody Wiles, who is a writer at Raptors Republic. Big shout out to Cody. Says, thoughts on Jonte? He's got thrown into the fire, but has been all right. Moves his feet better on D than I thought. Yeah, I find myself, and for anybody who's wondering, he was a plus seven tonight, you know? Just just as a note, I think Jonte competes really well defensively. I think that he is a guy who is overmatched physically in a lot of ways and competes like hell to try and mitigate that that loss of size. He he makes really great reads. He is not the quickest, but this is something that Thad Young talked to me about. This is something I've talked about with OG is like making reads as a defender. Early work isn't just about offense. You know, getting up the court, establishing low post position with a mismatch. We see Scotty and fans have seen Pascal do it and OG do it like a ton over the years. It's not just about that. It's about making the reads, being somewhat predictive of what the offense is trying to do and beating guys to spots by being a little bit more proactive than reactive. And a guy like Scotty, Scotty can be reactive, very explosive on the back line. He can wait guys out. And defensive player of the year players, they combine like proactivity and reactivity. Jaron Jackson Jr. is like the best example of this. He impresses me so much because the longer you can wait, the less you have to commit yourself to something. And so Scotty being a guy on the back line who can like wait, 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 and then whack, clean a ball off the glass, really impressive, quick jumper. That means he's less susceptible to the lay down, right? Because that's the whole problem is like, if I go up to contest, contest this, who's behind me? Am I going to be able to guard that? Is somebody dropping down to guard my guy who I'm leaving to contest this shot? for example, or is am I susceptible to the rebound? Scotty being able to wait means that he can close that gap between he and the defender, block the shot, or also be so close that he's, because he's coming so late that he's crowding the passing angles to the laydown or even to the corner, for example. So Scotty can be late and reactive. Jante has to be early, 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 and he is. And he's still not a world-ending defender, because he has physical limitations, but I tell you this much, I'm impressed with the proactivity defensively. He isn't the solve at the center position. I think for this season, once Jakob is back, I'm pretty happy to like have Jante be second string. It's, it's not ideal for a team that wants to win a bunch of games, and maybe, maybe if... The Raptors start winning a bunch of games. Like, let's say they're able to turn this game around and they go on a bit of a winning streak. And who knows what happens with like Bruce Brown and Chris Boucher and Gary Trent Jr. and Dennis Schroeder, all the guys who are kind of being talked about as possibilities to move on. I guess we'll see. But there's a possibility that the Raptors could add to their front court, a front court that used to be super crowded and have a million players in it. Yaka Pertle, Pascal Siakam, Scotty Barnes, OG Ananobi, Chris Boucher, Presa Shachua, and they thought Christian Coloco, right? So we'll see what happens with that, but Jante can fit into an NBA roster. I Like, he's an NBA big. He is an NBA big. Good for him. He's done it. Um, it's not on the best team in the world, these Raptors, but he's playing NBA minutes and he's doing a hell of a job. So I think he and Thad 
and Darko just loves Thad. I think he he talks about Thad in a way that like he really looks at him as like an active mentor on the court who can really help. He talks about him in regards to Scotty, in regards to Jante, as helping these guys along, teaching them the game as he's out there. And I don't know if I appreciate Thad more as like a guy who teaches from the bench or a guy who teaches on the court. I think it's probably the former, but I'm glad that Darko enjoys him so much. And on a team that, honestly, at this point in time, I don't know what they have their eyes set on, but we're looking at a team that, you know, can play around with things. And those are the teams that, like, was Jante Porter going to get a shot on the Nuggets or something like that with his brother? Probably not. This is where guys, like, cut their teeth. Bruce Brown, for example, like, super underrated player, cut his teeth on back-end teams, suddenly had a ton of utility. He clearly plays basketball, like, really, in a really heady way. He has tremendous feel for the game as an off-ball cutter. Um, Let's talk about Bruce Brown right now. So before the game, Darko, turns out Darko and I have a similar uh, basketball nerd thing about ourselves because there was um, there was an article that Darko co-wrote with Quinn Snyder. It was kind of like an academic look at the pick and roll. And also Darko has done podcasts in the in the past. He loves to talk about basketball and share his knowledge. He's been a great quote this year. I think he's been really giving in that way. And, um, you know, I, I've been a big fan. Like, I think Darko has done, a lot of people were really upset, upset with Darko in the middle of the season, in the doldrums, and I kept cautioning, like, I think he's doing a good job with the roster he's given. Anyway, he, for whatever reason, he didn't say exactly why, was studying Bruce Brown as a cutter a couple years ago because Bruce Brown, he considered him, if not the best, one of the best cutters in the NBA. And that's true. That was That would have been when he was on the Nets, I believe when he was constantly like filling space between James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant. And so he didn't speak exactly about the types of cuts that Bruce made, and he didn't get asked about it too much post-game, but he said like, yeah, I saw some similarities from what I saw in the past. But um, it's doing a big deep dive on a player and tracking all that kind of stuff. It spoke to me, man, because that is literally so many of my pieces and other people don't really do pieces like that. So I, I felt like a kindred spirit out there, you know, hand tracking possessions. Um, big shout out to Darko. And then so I asked Bruce after the game if he was aware that Darko did that. And he said that he just found out today. And he had mentioned, you know, as Nesta points out here, he says, I loved Bruce's comment about playing like he did with KD and Scotty. Um, Bruce, who is, I mean, he came in like a, like a, a rocket into the, the media room and he was like just a great quote from the jump um obviously that scotty anecdote is gonna give life to a lot of people saying like he's a dog he's a top tier superstar he knows what he's doing and he knows who he's playing with um but he also like he gave credit he's like it's easy to cut it's easy to be a good cutter when you play with such talented players well he did his best work cutting off of scotty tonight i don't know what happens with bruce going forward his cutting was immense and his cutting has been like a huge feature of his game for a long time. It helps when you play next to like Jokic or KD or Kyrie or James Harden or Scotty Barnes, of course, but you got to be able to make that. Coco says Bruce seems like a sweetheart. He definitely, I don't know, like I liked him. I, I don't know the guy at all. I've talked to him once in my life at this point, but yeah, great, 
great first impression from him. Um, we're going to do the play. We're going to break down a play. Now, this is Decky's play. By the way, the his name has been the nickname for dear the dear friend departed of Darko is Decky D E K I for anybody listening. It was spelled by myself incorrectly and basically everybody incorrectly. I was alerted to this by um Pensair Basketball who replied to my tweet on Twitter and let me know that this is actually how it's said. After looking this up specifically, I found only the Daily Mail wrote it correctly. Even like the the Warriors beat writers were spelling it, I guess, anglicized or something like that. So Decky's play. And get this. I had to clarify with Darko today because the Raptors social media team got it wrong. Bleacher Report got it wrong. TNT ran it tonight and got it wrong. Nobody knows what Decky's play is. And I was confused because Darko came in after the game and said like, okay, it was, he called it an ATO, but he said it was the first play of the game. People started to go look for ATOs. I asked Scotty about it and Scotty said he was part of the play. Scotty wasn't on the court when the Raptors ran their first ATO. So I looked at their second ATO with Scotty on the court, found a play run for Emmanuel quickly, which was a twirl action into a DHO that they scored on. Gary hit a three. So I thought I found the play. Other people told me I was wrong and it was the first play of the game. And I said it could be because I thought I found the play. And then I looked at the first play of the game as I did the night of because I was like, there's no way this is what it is. Like, this is no way because Scotty just grabbed the ball, pushed. The Heat were playing zone on the opening possession. And Scotty, like, brought two to the ball, Jonte cut, and they just played free, like, improvisational basketball from there. So I said, there's no way it's that. I had other journalists messaging me, suggesting other ones that it would be. James Herbert actually had it right because he messaged me. And, you know, after I told him that I had gotten it clarified, he said, I should have called my shot. And I was like, yeah, like Babe Ruth on social media. So anyway, Decky's play, immortalized, um, a really great play. So we're going to walk through this. I'm going to be more descriptive for the audio listener. Scotty Barnes is above the break. Gary Trent Jr. is in the corner. So is Emmanuel Quickly. Jonte Porter is at the nail, basically. RJ is on the wing. Scotty Barnes is about to run a pick and roll with a small into a flare screen, a ghosted pick and roll on the empty side. This is what Darko said Decky brought to the NBA. This is his ATO. This was the first scripted play of the Raptors offense. The shot was made at 9.58 of the first quarter. If you want to see the play, you can go to my Twitter. I have it there. So IQ comes out of the corner and runs a ghost screen for Scotty Barnes. That means he's not making contact. The ghost screen has been a major package of the Raptors with Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, Scotty Barnes, etc. RJ stays in on the wing. Jante Porter comes up and sets a flare screen for IQ as he's sprinting out of the ghost screen. And as all that happens, Gary Trent Jr. leaves that corner and goes to the other side of the corner to completely empty out that side of the court to create as much room for IQ to shoot as possible. As IQ comes over top of the flare screen, Scotty lobs the pass with his great passing talent and his height. IQ catches. The defense kind of climbed over. He puts down a dribble, makes a step back three. That is Decky's play. Immortalized, as it always was. But obviously, this was a big 
reporting thing. Um, 888MJL says, yeah, glad you did. It was confusing everyone last night. It was confusing me, man. Because I was like, I'm hearing so many different things. And I tried to ask Scotty. And Scotty is the best player on the team, but he's not the best quote. And he's not the most forthcoming. And he didn't really remember the play very well. And he was kind of like, he also called it the first play of the game. But like, and, and especially with Darko too, like Darko was so emotional and like rightfully so. And that was like such a meaningful moment for him. He had just gotten the chain from like the team. He had just told everyone he loved them. It's like, it's, yeah, there you go. It's tough miscommunication, whatever. But I asked just so people would know, because if people are going to say like, oh, this is his play, his friend's play. This is like Decky is such a big figurehead in the NBA community. Masai talked about him today and said of the 15 head coaches they interviewed, Decky was mentioned by 11 of them. So huge presence. So I figured as every place was getting this wrong, including myself the night of, it's... uh. It's good to get it right. So there you go. For anybody who wants to know the spelling, it's on screen. D-E-K-I. Decky. Okay. There we go. As far as what we're seeing from these Raptors, I talked about most of the game. Um, it's like... I like the shape of the team currently. I think Bruce Brown, as I thought immediately... It's um, a guy who fits in really well, who can play off of talented players. And the Raptors have not, like, they struggled a little bit offensively in this game. Another dry shooting night. Um, they didn't get everything they wanted to get. Tough. But they do have, like, a whole bunch of unique, skilled offensive players. And Bruce can do that. Like, he did it in Indiana. He did it in Brooklyn. He did it in Denver. You know, he mentioned after the game, he was like, I can't, this is my fourth team in three years. Pretty crazy. Um, also, like, yeah, uh, Van Hoot2234 says uh, his rebounding. Yeah, he's a super heady rebounder. He's basically just a player who's like interprets the floor and reads the floor exceptionally well. Um, as a cutter, as a rebounder, he just shapes to the ball defensively and offensively. Um, apparently like I had talked to Caitlin Cooper today, we did a film session on Pascal Siakam and some of the things that Indiana Pacers have been struggling with. And she mentioned that he had not been very good at the point of attack. I'm hoping that a little bit better defense in Toronto than Indiana has been, that he can be a little bit more effective there. And I think he had a couple good plays. Um, yeah. Cody Wiles says, I was intrigued by Caitlin's comments on Nora during your guys chat. Do you think he can carve out a spot? Um, if Bruce gets traded, he'll have a better shot, but like, let's read out the depth chart, right? They're pretty deep right now. RJ Barrett, Scotty Barnes, I, Emmanuel quickly, Dennis Schroeder, Bruce Brown, Gary Trent Jr. You know, then you start getting like Chris Boucher. Then it's then you're talking about like Jalen McDaniels, Nora, Grady Dick, you know, Thad, Jonte, like that kind of stuff. It's Nora. If Bruce Brown gets traded, I think he's definitely in there. Um, if he doesn't, he might just kind of have a little bit of tough time. 
Um, Solstice 99 says Raps attempted 38 threes, hitting 10. Too many question mark. Bulls attempted only 24. The Bulls had DeMar DeRozan and Nikola Vucevic, and they had Kobe White and Zach Levine and DeMar all turning the Raptors defense. As I talked about at the top, like the Raptors trying to stop the point of attack stuff and being more aggressive and relying on a smaller defense to kind of like compete in coverage, you know, cover ground, rotate, close out, contain, do all that kind of stuff. When you do that, sometimes it's going to lead to three-point shots, sometimes. But also, on the other hand, when you do that without a rim protector in the middle, sometimes people will see a lot of rotation and say, even as guys are rotating to me, I can take this to the bucket. So, you know, Johnny G says tiresome too. Yeah, these guys, second night of a back-to-back, they're probably... You have to like you. There's been a mental toll for everybody around that team. Um, it's you know uh, that's kind of how it is. But yeah, Alex says Knicks fans gassed up quickly. He's not as good as they said he was. I don't know if that's fair. I don't know. Well, actually, to be quite honest with you, I don't know what Knicks fans you're talking to. But Knicks like quickly has been good in my opinion. Uh, he's not as good on ball. But I think that was something that, like, I talked about. If anybody was watching my coverage, like, his on-ball stuff is not his strong point. And I knew that, and I didn't even, like, watch that much of the Knicks. Uh, Ariel came on and talked, and he had mentioned that, too. Like, he's strongest off-ball. He'll struggle at the point of attack on some stuff. He's not the solve at the point of attack defensively, but he has one, like, he has a couple bad shooting games. He hasn't been as good finishing at the rim. I think overall, like, he's made really impressive playmaking reads. He didn't really tonight. But overall, I think quickly has done, like, a good job implementing himself on the Raptors while in the middle of a season as a point guard who has to learn all the schemes, run all the plays, and shape to, like, another star in Scotty, and also be, like, a part of a defense that wants to improve. So we'll see what happens. But I think that's a little bit low on quickly at this point in time. But again... I don't know what Knicks fans told you to expect. So, yeah. Mac for a better tomorrow says Bruce Brown is great. He actually deserves to be on a contender. I'll tell you this much. If he plays like he did tonight, and he's as, like, forthcoming, talking to everybody, and, like, just awesome talking about his teammates and the game itself, um, like, I, I'm over the moon for him to be a Toronto Raptor. Of course he's, like, fantastic, and you understand completely why, let's say, maybe... Philadelphia or somebody comes calling for Bruce Brown, right? Somebody like that. Um, he would fit really well on a contender. Chris Max says, quickly had 17-9 and 8 last night. What are you expecting? This is why I was saying, you know, I don't know what that person was expecting. So I guess we'll see. Maybe, like, maybe because he was dubbed as a, a future star. I don't know if he'll make, like, an all-star game as a Raptor. I'd, I'd be very, I would not be super surprised at all-star game. I'd be pretty surprised at all NBA. And that's not a, a comment on quickly how good he is. Cause quickly is very good, but to make all NBA as a guard is just insane, like insane. Um, it's so competitive. Um, we have a bit of, um, uh, more explanation from Alex quote, I kept seeing that he's a big impact guy as good as Maxi if he got starters minutes and that we should be excited about him over RJ. RJ has been more impressive, end quote. If you listen to 
my coverage of it. And like I did a big conversation, probably like 30 minutes on Emmanuel with Lewis Atzman. I think we kind of dispelled the maxi comp, understanding why it's made, but saying like, he's just not maxi. And a big reason for that is maxi is one of the best finishers at his size in all of the NBA. And his rim pressure is like twice as often as, um, as quickly. So, uh, yeah. And as far as like, who's been more impressive relative to expectation between RJ and quickly it's RJ. You know, I asked, I asked Masai today about RJ and how impressed he's been with the start he's had. And he came up with this incredible anecdote where he said, Rowan, RJ's dad would come in because he'd be around the team and he'd come into the arena every once in a while. And when RJ was like 13, he would keep introducing him to Masai and ask Masai like, Hey, my son is a basketball player. Can you say something to him? You're like a big figurehead in the basketball community. And he kept doing that. And then Masai, you know, was like, and now he's walking that same tunnel that I talked to him in. And he seemed to believe like, hey, there's like kind of a Canada tax. RJ's home and he's just playing better. And like the decision making has been better. Even on the night where he goes six of 16 and it's mostly just because he didn't hit his threes. He also had six assists and one turnover. Go figure. The defense wasn't good in my opinion, but like RJ has been probably the more impactful player, at least offensively so far, but I still, I still think like why choose, you know, quickly, I think has done well. We'll keep doing well. RJ has done well. We'll keep doing well. So I think just like why choose, you know, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. But as far as like, if you want to do the comparison, which is the thief of joy, by the way, or so I hear, um, I think RJ has been more impressive, relevant to, or relative to expectations, but all that kind of stuff. It's, uh, I like the team, man. I really like Pascal. I had just a whale of time covering Pascal. People know I like Pascal. This team is fun. So that's how I feel. Um, I'm happy with both, um, RJ and, uh, and, uh, Emmanuel. Joseph Cassidy says, I'm just here to like and watch it later. Stay awesome, Samson. I appreciate you, brother. I appreciate you very much. Uh, thanks for liking. Anybody else who's watching, 130 people in chat, make sure to like the video. It's good for the algorithm. It helps spread to other people who hopefully will enjoy this conversation as much as you are. And guess what, everybody? Been talking for like 40 minutes. It's advertisement time. February 6th, Rivoli, downtown Toronto. There's a live podcast. Hey, that's fun. Last year, we sold it out. So go to raptorsrepublic.com. Honestly, when you go to the website, it should pop up and give you an option to buy the tickets to it. But February 6th, 7 p.m., myself and Lewis are the names currently. There's a bunch of your favorites are going to be talking there. I'll just say that much right now. And we also have like an, an NBA coach coming who has not been announced. But um, like a, it'll be a great night of talking hoops. And also like the Raptors, Masai talked about it today. He's like, yeah, we're active. Definitely active still in the trade market. So there'll be a lot of fun trade speculation for the people who love trade speculation. There'll be a lot of like great basketball talk for the people like that. And if you like talking or if you like my work and you want to talk to me about some stuff or Lewis or the to be named guests or anything like that, um, that's a great way. Like I had awesome conversations that I remember to this day. I remember people I met there last year to this day. So it's just like an awesome little community event. 
um, Raptors Public is an independent media outlet. And this thing that we do, which is kind of trying to lean on people liking the work and wanting to and being invested in the writers doing well and being paid and coming to talk and like appreciate basketball with the writers that they listen and read to or listen to and read. That's what it is. Um, it helps raise money for the for the website so we can keep paying writers, all that kind of stuff. That's the whole sell. I hope to see a lot of you guys there. That's uh, that's how I feel. But this team, I've had like, I enjoyed this game a bunch. Watching Scotty, and I've watched so much Scotty. I haven't retracked all of his possessions from this year, but I tracked all of this young man's possessions in his rookie season. I tracked all of his possessions in his sophomore season. And I just keep coming away from it being like all NBA talent, superstar talent, all this kind of stuff. And it came earlier this year than I thought. The jump shot is in an insane place relative to where it was. Some of his like the handle, the decision making in the pick and roll. I talked to him about tonight because I've been so impressed. And like that was part of my every possession thing was I looked at every single pick and roll that he ran. So I wrote this big piece and, you know. Did a video and his numbers in the pick and roll, not what I'm seeing, his numbers objectively, you know, per second spectrum and per my hand track stuff weren't good. And he faced a lot of switches and push switches. What he's done is work on his game immensely to create a different defensive response. And when he's getting the same old, same old defensive response, do better against all of it. And my takeaway at the end of, you know, writing a piece about what he struggled with, why he's not, why they have like low points per possession in the pick and roll was that like, you still have to give him these reps because he's going to get better. And it's in the Raptors, like in their interest to have him be better at one of the staples of what the NBA offense is. Guess what? He's improved a bunch. When I asked him tonight, you know, what has led to that improvement? What skills? He said that like, he, he was just running the play more. And that's, you know, that's, if that's his answer, that's his answer. That's part of it for sure. Running the play, <coughs> excuse me, running the play more, making more reads, getting comfortable with different defensive responses, finding your groove in that play type. And if he becomes like elite in the pick and roll as, or even just like good in the pick and roll as a live dribble passer around the court, he's already doing something that Pascal was never able to do. Pascal was really good in the pick and roll by the numbers because Pascal would run the pick and roll, initiate a switch, and Pascal's been one of the best isolation players in the NBA over the past few years. He just kills isolations. But that's not really like flow pick and roll decision making or flow pick and roll scoring. Scotty is showing stuff in there in year three at 22 years old that Pascal never got up to as a wing scorer. As good as Pascal has been as a wing scorer, Scotty is already taking like a massive step. Not to mention he's banging above the break threes like crazy, man. Just exciting man exciting stuff it's uh you know i i i don't want to talk too much about the maasai presser but i also didn't want to leave it out because usually after maasai presser i come and do you know a live and we talk about it and all that kind of stuff and i talk about it from my point of view um but there wasn't really time for it today so I wanted to talk about it a little bit in this podcast. And if we get a little bit of less conversation of Chicago versus Toronto, 116-110, I think that's all. It's like a holistic game. 
Johnny G says, will Scotty develop his ISO game? Um, yeah. I, I talked about how, you know, that bullfrog aspect or like that muscular frog aspect of like creating different points of contact as you slowly overwhelm and dominate guys downhill. That is something that will be a big part of his isolation package going forward, of course. But as far as some of the shot making, his handle needs work. He would tell you that. Darko would tell you that. Masai would tell you that. To be like an elite isolation scorer, you have to be a little bit more explosive with your handle. You have to be more confident with it. Sometimes when he's breaking out dribble moves, he gets caught in workout ball. And what workout ball is like for people who watched OG last year or the year before, uh, it's like when you can see a guy is getting into a package that they clearly work on in the gym but it's not reactive. They're just like starting a dribble combo that they've worked on. And they're like, okay, how's the defense going to respond? And they kind of get stuck in that dribble combo. No advantage gained. Sometimes Scotty gets stuck there. Sometimes he doesn't. For example, when he broke out a dribble combo, when it was flattened out against Jason Tatum and passed by him and spun to the rim. Like, you know, I know Johnny G says no spin moves. The spin move will be a part of Scotty's bag. It's been a part of his bag for like some time. Maybe not at the same level as Pascal, obviously, but um, that rea- that spin move was a reactive play that he was able to make. And sometimes reactive plays is like guys are just kind of like badgering his handle. They push him back. He has to reset. There's things he has to improve to become like a meaningful isolation scorer. But, you know, and, and Trace124 brings this up. Says Scotty has some unorthodox shot, unorthodox shots he uses like Jokic that just goes in. He has a feel for it. End quote. Um, that's true, and that helps him, you know, find a lot of success in isolation. That's helped him find a lot of success in fourth quarters. It's also something that I tracked um, as I was tracking all of his possessions in his first season, from uh, from the start of the season until March. Sports Info Solutions, which is a private uh, statistical database tracked contested hook shots one of the best in the nba at contested hook shots was scotty barnes who was 57 percent at that point so last year coming into this season i tracked scotty's contested hook shots in his sophomore season he was north of 55 percent again he can just guys can just hang off of him and he can just hit touch shots he can lob it he can throw fastballs he just he can get the ball into the basket a bunch of different ways and some of it it looks like bullshit truthfully but Jokic makes bullshit too. The best players make bullshit. And the important thing is to have easy stuff besides the bullshit. Scotty doesn't have enough easy stuff yet, but he's going to continue to like develop and stuff will get easier. And then playmaking reads will get easier. And then he's going to be averaging like 25 and like 8 and 9 or something. It's like he, his stats, I know we're in a juice stats era, like, Pascal just came off of a season where he averaged what, like 24, seven and, and six almost. And Pascal is a player that a lot of people are like, you know, they don't have a, a super large appreciation for his game, despite like big numbers. Scotty's going to put up big numbers in this, in this NBA, big, big numbers. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it should, it should be super fun to watch him grow. And as it has been this season, because he was asked about it in the wake of Pascal leaving. Everyone says, well, it's your team now. And he says, it's been my team. Like, <laughs> that's what that's what he says. You know, Darko says, it's his team now. 
Masai says it's his team now. Scotty says it's been my team. Good confidence. That's like a very good thing. Um, post game, Scotty said he wants to work with Vince. Was that on the court? That must have been like the the court side um, conversation. I did not hear that. Um, but cool. Vince was around the whole game. Obviously, everybody knows that. But even like around media and all that kind of stuff. Um, cool to see. Trace124 says, watching the TNT broadcast, they were very impressed by Scotty taking over. Uh, the good Scotty run is always, like, when Scotty finds that, like, four or five-minute stretch where he's, like, constantly getting the spots, hitting the tough shots, like, creating easy looks, spraying, like, these big passes all over the court. You just, like, watch it, and he'll combine that with, like, blocks on the other end. You know, three steals, three blocks tonight. You just watch that guy and you say, like, there's a lot of stuff he's doing right now. And you can tell, like, some of it is, like, raw and unrefined. But he's just going out there, figuring out how to put the ball in the basket. Really impressive. Um, you know, sometimes it's a sloppy fader over Bam Adebayo in the fourth quarter that he makes. Sometimes it's that back leg explosion against a hedge on a pick and roll. And you go baseline and nobody can touch you or stop you. You want to see more of the latter. You're going to see some successful stuff of the former. And it's all, all about that growth. And, you know, quickly, RJ, great guys to grow with them. Schroeder, I think, is a quality rotation player. So is Bruce Brown. I don't know, I don't know what happens with this team, but they played some good basketball. And I feel like that's a good place to end the podcast. Um, very positive for what ended up being a loss, but today, especially with Masai's presser, all the stuff that's been happening lately, it's all about the future, man. All about the future. So as I've said before, when expectations for the team aren't very good, I put on my scout cap and we talk more so about player progression during these games. Whereas when I was covering a, a Raptors team that was very good, you spent less time on player progression and you talked more so about team concepts and kind of the shape of the team, what they succeeded at. And team concepts don't matter as much when you're losing because not everything is fixed with team concepts. Sometimes you just don't have enough talent on the team. And I don't know what this team is going to do going forward, but I'll be here covering them after every game. Uh, stay tuned for a piece, I think tomorrow from myself, on my favorite set plays that have been run for Emmanuel Quickly and RJ Barrett. I'm looking forward to that piece. It was a ton of fun to write and sort out all the naming for all the plays and figure out why they work. Some of them are remixes of um, plays that the Raptors have run in the past. So yeah, stay tuned for that. Thank you to everybody for listening. Uh, as always, it's much easier to have these conversations at 1 a.m. when I'm having them, when there's a bunch of people to talk to about it. Make sure to like the video on your way out. If you feel inclined you can go to raptorsrepublic.com and subscribe that's how i get paid that's how the fine writers over at raptors republic get paid and that's how independent media stays alive in this landscape that's the cell that's all i got for you like the video all that good stuff thank you to everybody for listening and for those listening on the audio stuff the podcast apps thanks for tuning in on your walk your late night sleep whatever the hell it is okay whether you got into this in the morning or at night have a blessed day and Goodbye.